Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 8, and here's what it says. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Verse 4, Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Now, there are two problems with this. Number one, he's already fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, so you would think that they would remember this, but they don't. Another thing, they asked this question, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Have they never read? Well, of course they have. Had they never read about how God had two to three million people in the wilderness for 40 years, and he fed them every day with manna by himself? Of course, God has the ability to do this. God's the provider. This is easy for him. But this is how we are as human beings. We're not thinking on a God level. We're thinking on a natural level. So it says here in verse 5, he asked them, Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? This is the same question that he asked in the other passage. And they said seven. So he commanded them, the multitude, to sit down on the ground. What is he doing? Once again, he's preparing for a supernatural move of God. So he had them sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. Notice he gave thanks. You know what we do? We'll often open our mouths and we'll say, well, this is not enough. And we'll end up cursing, speaking death, speaking uh, lack, speaking deficiency with our mouth. Notice Jesus didn't say any of that. He didn't say any of that. He blessed it. He gave thanks. We have to be thankful for what we have, regardless of how small it is. And we have to bless it to see God's power touch it so that things can do more than they normally would be able to do. So uh, they set the bread that Jesus broke before the multitude. They also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to them, or he set them also before them. Just a few little small fish. Verse 8. So they ate and were filled. Same thing as the 5,000. They were filled. 4,000 men here were filled up with food. And they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000. And he sent them away, immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit. This is not just a, a sigh of, overwhel- of being overwhelmed. He sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. 
And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples, so notice these people said, show us a sign. And he said, no, I'm not going to show you a sign. I'm not going to try to prove to you that God is real or that my ministry is valid. No, stay, listen to the word and begin to believe God. But no, I'm not going to just sit here and do tricks for you, so to speak. Tricks is not the right uh, term, but you understand the point of that. Verse 13, and he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So notice they had forgotten to take bread. So uh, in the ministry of Jesus, that gives us a hint that the disciples were responsible to gather supplies. And if they're going to go on a trip to have their supplies ready for the trip and such, but they'd forgotten to do it. So notice this verse 15, then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have no bread? This is a common theme in the ministry of the disciples with Jesus, that he would say something, but they would misunderstand and they would be talking amongst themselves, trying to figure out what he's talking about. They reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we have no bread. He's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod because we forgot to bring bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Like, why are you concerned that you didn't bring some bread? And notice this. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. It's just very interesting. He asked him if he saw anything. And the man looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up. Interesting, the first time he asked him if he saw anything. And the second time he made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now, this is not normal for us to see Jesus get somebody partially healed, but not all the way healed. It's not normal. But I think that this happened that we might learn something because it's not that the power of God was not available, but Jesus asked him if he saw anything. Do you see anything? But the second time he made him look up as if he said, now look up and see. See, and so there was a, a certainly a different approach that Jesus took the second time. And then you see the full miracle happen. And Jesus said, don't go tell anybody. Verse 27, Jesus was not trying to become popular and known. He was trying to minister to the people. Verse 27, now Jesus and his disciples went out of the towns of Caesarea Philippi. This is way up in the north, uh, getting close to Mount Hermon. And on the road, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? 
So they said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter. Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. That means the Messiah, the anointed one. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of God must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, when it says Jesus began, or Peter began to rebuke him, that doesn't mean that Peter was saying, I rebuke you, Jesus. No, but when Jesus was saying, I'm going to have to go and die and, and be killed and such, Peter, out of his love for Jesus, ignorance but love for Jesus, wanted to have him stop talking like that. Don't talk like that. You know, we'll even tell a relative, don't talk like that. Don't say that about yourself. Don't say that's going to happen to you. And this is what Peter's doing. The problem is Jesus has to go and die for our own sins. So Peter doesn't understand that, no, this is necessary. And, and Jesus, he doesn't need somebody, especially somebody as close to him as Peter, telling him, don't speak the plan of God. Don't speak that you're going to be obedient to what you're supposed to do. Don't say that, see? And so there's a conflict between, between what Jesus knows he needs to speak because your body follows your tongue, James says, and Jesus is doing what we all should do. We should say what we're supposed to do. But Peter's saying, don't say that. He's rebuking him. Don't speak like that. Don't say you're going to go and die. So, but when he turned around, and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And so, of course, God's will for Jesus was to go and die on the cross. But Peter was just looking at it from a natural standpoint. But notice Jesus said, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan. Because this inspiration uh, to not speak the truth, to not say you're going to be obedient, to not follow through with it. That's what the devil does to us. That's the influence of the devil. Peter didn't even realize that he was speaking uh, a satanic word to Jesus, satanic advice. And so Jesus said, stop it. I can't have that. And I tell you what, we should learn from this. We should not allow people to tell us and influence us not to speak what we're supposed to speak, not to do what we're supposed to do. Now, I'm not saying we rebuke them, but sometimes you just have to remove yourself from their presence because you can't have that kind of influence in your ears and in your heart. It'll mess with you. It'll influence you. So, verse 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Notice Jesus is saying, I'm not the only one going to a cross. Everybody has to die to what they want to do. Jesus is signifying that he doesn't want to do this in the natural, in the flesh, with his own mind. He doesn't want to go die. Nobody, no human being would want to go do this. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to practice this same thing that I'm practicing right now. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Boy, I tell you what, a lot of people going after money, they will not obey God. They will not pursue the calling of God. They will not do what God wants them to do because they would have to give up some wealth or money or pleasures. And and Jesus is saying, what is a profit a man if he exchanges, uh, if he receives the whole world, but he has to exchange his soul for it, his eternity for it. Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with holy angels. Boy, we should be declaring Jesus as Lord. We should be declaring our obedience, our allegiance to Jesus, saying we're going to we're going to take up our cross. We're going to be obedient to God. We're going to do it. Our, we may have people say, don't do that. You're going to you're not going to get ahead in life. You, you need to go after your wealth. You need to do this and that and the other. And we need to say, nope, stop. I need to do what God is calling me to do. I need to be obedient to God. And we need to confess that Jesus is our Lord and not be ashamed of him. Oh, folks, these are these are powerful teachings by Jesus. He's not only teaching, but he's modeling for us. And boy, may it impact our lives. And we may we be just like him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.